as our view pans from a distraught and silent Ezreal kneeling next to an uncharacteristically calm You can feel the peace in the air. And our viewpoint shifts. And we see Findle sitting against an old wall, frail, burnt orange stones at his back. And his breaths are labored. And Findle hears a voice. It rings out in his ears, and we hear, I knew you'd find me. The voice of a young girl echoing. Madeline. Is that true, Madeline? Yes, it's it's me, Fendel. And the image of a young girl, no more than ten years old, approaches him. A face that Fendel had thought lost to time. Madeline, I failed you. And I'm sorry. I forgive you, you old kook. Besides, look what you did. Look at the world you saved. And she motions to the right of the pair. And Oxbane flashes before them. Images of citizens rebuilding Oxbane appear and vanish. And they're replaced by the images of silence opening their gates for good. The first time in a long time. And the snow begins to melt around those mountains and those gates, revealing budding grass and the hope of a new start. But I failed so many along the way. (sighs) Madeline leans in and hugs him tightly. It's not always about that, though. Sometimes, it's about the greater good. You know, Quindolin and Alaria, they'll understand Fendel. And Fendel begins to sob silently in this young girl's arms. And the view shifts once more, and we see several scenes unfold all around Goron, the first of which is a large fiend holding a huge two-handed sword filled with rage and roaring as he charges forward and we see a familiar brave tiefling wielding an equally large and comically impossibly powerful sword, accompanied by two smaller forms, all fighting together. And they're this cohesive unit, and you watch as this fiend and this tiefling go toe-to-toe, and the fiend much, much stronger, but the two smaller forms strike at this fiend, and they cut, and they cut, and you watch as the three of them begin to work this fiend down to the ground, and they expect a much larger, much more powerful force, and they watch as this large, gigantic fiend begins to slow and begins to get sluggish, and they're all surprised. They're caught off guard, and you hear one of them say, Ged? Should he be moving that slow? And you hear the other small, small fighter warrior champion say uh, uh, Lance I don't think that's right and you hear Lance say I don't care what it is as he brings the sword across and beheads the fiend 
and the three stand over this fiend as the black, oozing blood spills into the grass below. And you hear Lance say, Something's changed. Something's different. And you hear the form, the figure of Gid say, I don't care what it is. Let's go. There's more. And the three vanish into the woods. And we have Goron. And the fiends around the world, they still exist. We, we see flashes of Holbeck, where there's hunters and trappers still fighting off these small packs of fiends. Their, their reinforcements all but cut off. And then we see Charinka standing next to Henry. Henry, who looks more proud than we've ever seen him before. And between the two, Svan stands tired. And they all three stand atop a pile of fiend corpses. And Svan says to the pair, I'm not sure what happened in the heart of silence, but I think it's finally over. And Henry smiles and looks at Svan and Tringa and he says, I think we're all in good hands, Svan. At least a pair I know. And you hear Charinga as the camera pans away and they get smaller. Henry, what does that mean? And weeks pass by and the world begins to push the themes back together. The guilds of Yuri band together and they push back pockets. They push back stragglers and and the fiends are all but eliminated they're all but in the rear view mirror of Goron and the people of Goron look forward to a time when these are stories they're scary tales that are told to children to keep them out of the dark at night they are look forward to when their entertaining stories in Red Roof ends across the world. But for now, the threat is still all too real. But victory was won, and it was had. But it was not a victory without a cost. And as those weeks go by nearly two months pass and our camera pans into the throne room of silence and we see this ornate throne and next to it is this smaller throne that the queen of silence would typically inhabit and atop the throne we do not see a tiefling we see the haggard figure of Carter Spawn and we see a Janasi standing below him at the steps of the throne room and we hear her say I didn't think you could do it silence left to be ruled by an outsider if the Shindos could see this Abon says to Svan, I have a feeling if they saw this, they'd be happy that their kingdom wasn't left to rot. Still no sign of Kristoff or Pallas? Carter Svan shakes his head. Unfortunately, no. I think we have to accept that 
They're not coming back. Still, I don't know that I trust that Asimar about what actually happened below the castle. For the last time, Nabom, what reason would she have to lie? I don't know. She did have the body of Findle. And he almost gets angry as she makes that comment. And I've said before that Findle is not easily killed. I doubt that was of her doing, Abel. Touchy! I'm just saying. Is there anything else? No, I suppose not. What's next? Hmm. We rebuild. All of Goron. And our camera fades away, pans out these edges of darkness. They fill our vision. And a small wink of light appears. And it flickers and it bounces. And we can see a candle with wax burning. It's half height. It's been burning a long time. And we see Avia in her blue robes sitting on the same table that months ago she would have shared a meal with Kristoff. And her hands are placed palms flat together and you can hear her whispering under her breath unintelligible nothing that any of us would have ever understood and our view shifts once more we see the form of an all too familiar King Altrian Shendo and he seems to be swaying back and forth And from our viewpoint, we can hear the sweet, melodic hum, and we hear him say, we hear him sing. You scared me to death, but you took the first steps every time you'd fall. It pains me to say I knew it would end this way And I'd change it if I could I'd give up the world So you could meet a nice girl You could settle down and have kids I wish your life would have An abundance of peace and cheer so much I fear But as I stand here I can feel my hands shake But there's no other choice But I'll have you know Even when I go I'll smile I 
understand a word that I say, but son, this is just how to do. Those silver skills of yours are the most wonderful things. Are the most wonderful things. You can laugh and you can cry. It brings a tear to my eye. It's the happiest I'll ever see you. It's the happiest I'll ever see you. I'll see you grow, and I'll watch you grow. You won't know why this world is so cruel. I promise one day you'll understand that I give up my life and my love. So our people can be set free. I hope one day you'll forgive me. I'll sit on my throne, knowing that I am all alone. That'll have to be okay. Now close your eyes for me. Dream of fun. Premeditated sun. For tomorrow is a new day. Night, my beautiful boy. And our view shifts to reveal King Altrian Shindo. Tears flowing as he rocks our infant Kristoff in a soft silver blanket. And our view shifts once more. And we see whiteness. We see everything's empty and our, our vision is filled and, and we see uh, two small tiefling children and they're playing with a small familiar boy a, a boy we've seen before a boy full of whimsy and wonder and you can hear them laughing and playing and as the camera slowly moves forward we can see that it's Andrew and we see a very young Kristoff and a very young Palace and they're playing together and you hear Palace say tag you're it brother that's no fair you can't I said no taxis maxis and we can see this older tiefling strong stout powerful horns and next to him stands a smaller, more delicate female tiefling. And you hear the powerful voice of Altrian Shinde. <laughs> My boys. It should have always been this way. But there is often a great discrepancy between what should be and the what is. I hope you two can do more about that than I could. And Kristoff, you, you're young and you have this feeling of euphoria, not the exile that you experienced growing up and not this outcast that you were forced to be and live through. You're happy. This is what family has always felt like to you and you haven't really felt anything else. And it seems so perfect 
like it was all meant to be this way. And you hear your name called out. Kristoff! Hmm? Kristoff! And you can hear the words, your name. And it suddenly feels the, this life that you have felt and has been so perfect. It feels different and this voice feels like you, you've got to follow it. You, you've got to chase it and you hear, Kristoff, come to me. That's me. That's that's my name. I, I am Kristoff Shindo. And you run forward after this voice into the void and pal- you can hear Palace footsteps behind you and, and Andrin, the small form of Andrin, running behind him, but they can't keep up. And then our view changes. And we stand together as viewers and listeners before the visage of Ezreal. And Ezreal has been traveling in our own right since that day that Kristoff and Pallas didn't return. And, and she has she has borne more burden than anyone could have asked for someone who so half-heartedly stumbled into the adventure, the tribulations, and the charge that someone in her position would have ever been forced to do. And she's walking in these woods and before long it feels different. The trees aren't green, they're not brown, and and everything seems to have this golden hue to it. And before long, she kind of comes to a bend in the wood, and when she turns, the camera kind of pans with her behind her, and we as the listeners, the viewers, the camera see this massive form of a minotaur standing over 15 feet tall, two large, powerful horns, the face of a bull, eyes glowing golden, almost like pouring light out of where his eyes would be, wearing big bronze and ivory colored armor, each wrist having shackles made of ivory with two ivory chains dangling from them that seemingly disappear into nothing, unbroken but never finished. These shackles, they're his very binding. And the lower half of him is a long tunic of armor, and you hear this powerful voice. Ezreal. Yes, Alistair, what is it now? You have done good. Have to say, I am pleased to hear that. What else of me do you require? And you hear this. (laughs) Your actions and your deeds are great. But mind your place. Well, for the price of these deeds, I have borne quite a cost. And you can hear him approach you. The very ground kind of rumbles as he gets closer. And you can, of course, like kind of see his rough visage approach. And this massive hand reaches out and he gets real close to your face. And he says, I know we got off on the wrong foot. I suppose you could call it that. But you did it. And it's time I restore something to you 
that you had once lost. (sighs) He wraps this massive hand around your head and there's this pressure and you feel it release and, and it's darkness, but you can't see him anymore. And he says, I hope we're not done. I hope that you understand there is a fate for everyone. And the day our lights our path and she's always had a plan for us and as you open your eyes you see Alistair for the first time and for the first time in a long time you see everything I think she just kind of gapes just open mouth for a moment, just and like looks around, and then looks back at Alistair, and then looks around again, and then back at Alistair. <laughs> it's just. I have certainly learned a lesson from this, but. I can give you my word, I will not stray again. And he kneels, this massive figure of muscle and and fur, essentially, kneels down to you and says, I want you to know I don't expect you to just do my bidding. The lesson I want you to take from this is not that if you don't obey me, there will be a cost. The lesson I want you to take from this is that Goron is a fragile place and it will always need forces of good even if those things, those forces, come from pain. I will remember this. Thank you for breaking my chains despite the fact that you cannot break your own. And he smiles and begins to slowly fade away. And then we find ourselves back in that dark cellar, this underground sewer, candle lit wax dripping, Avia chanting atop the very table. She had spent so much time with her friend. And out of the ceiling itself, Kristoff drops and face plants into the stone floor. Fuck! (laughs) Uh, It worked! Avia? And she leaps off the table and hugs him. It's you! I can't believe it worked! What what happened? What where am I? You're You're here! You're in Yuri! Below Yuri, I guess, but Oh my god, I can't believe that worked. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you too, Avi, it's okay. It's not okay. You've been caught for so long. I mean, it's yes. I had business in silence. You knew that. It's 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 good to see you, Christoph. That was almost a year ago. I'm sorry. What? You've been you've been gone for almost a year. Uh, okay. Um, I have some questions. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You first. Where, where's is is Palace okay? Um, according to Spawn, 
Um, neither of you returned um, from stopping the terror in the torrent. At least that's what the 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 Asmir, e- Ezreal, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, she. Um, <laughs> we thought you both were dead. Do I remember like what's transpired since then? You, the last thing you remember is um, the dagger and and collapsing that dark energy, and then you remember. Uh, about eight years worth of like good childhood that you mm-hmm. lived with Altrion and your mother and Alice and the boy Andrin in the Arcane Torrent. Okay, uh, so I th- I think I was dead. <laughs> I don't know. Um. I, just, I can't believe I found you. What did you do? How did you bring me back? I've just been searching the torrent. I just... I had a feeling you weren't gone. I can't explain it. Like, I... I just didn't believe them. It's you. You... I mean, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going anywhere, I don't think, anytime soon. Um, what, what, uh, did we do it? Did we, did we close the thing? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> That's good. It's great. And, uh... And she's, like, visibly crying, like, a these happy tears they're just screaming and you can just see this relief across her face so what about um what what's been happening since something oh, the fiends are they defeated Findle, uh where is who's in oh god who's in charge of silence right now if me and Pallas didn't come back um where and did Rowan have we found him um the fiends are all but defeated. Uh, Good. They're not gone, but they're rare. We haven't seen them in any type of numbers in months. And silence is okay. Um, Carter Spawn, of all people. A madman runs my kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Well, nah, no, not anymore. Um. They're actually, um, they're holding elections this month. Democracy. (laughs) (laughs) I told Swan. I told... Uh, Vendel. I'm sorry, Kristoff. He's gone. Gone. He, um, according to Ezreal, he died right after you walked into the torrent. He's gone. Well, um, and, uh, tears come to Kristoff's eyes. Um, that's, um, he lived a very long time. And he earned some peace and fucking quiet, frankly. (laughs) I have something for you. Oh. And uh, she reaches into her cloak and pulls out a letter and hands it back to you and says, (laughs) I don't think I'm going to need this anymore. No, um... Did you... Did you read it? No. Yeah. And I break my seal off of it, and I open it up, and it's the... It's the letter that I wrote to Palace a long, long time ago, and you can see it's just... 
scrawling ink and its words and its smudges and its smells of wine and it's there's most of it is an unintelligible and it's torn and, and crossed out and the only thing legible is at the very bottom um, and it's written there clear as day thank you and I'm sorry and the camera begins to pan away as we see a relieved Avia kind of huddled in with Kristoff um, shoulders touching heads touching as they together read this letter and our view shifts and changes once more and we see the familiar figure of Balumer standing atop, sitting atop his pillar. And you look across to these empty seats and you hear a familiar voice standing at your side. I knew it. <clears throat> I knew putting you on Goron would make a great story. <laughs> what will you do now that you're back, Balumer? <sighs> and you see the figure of Wen leaves shaking and rustling as he laughs. I think one or two fall onto me and I dust them off. Well, first things, you all need to redecorate. You've been just sitting in these stools for thousands of years. Well, uh, more or less, I've been a little busy. There's some great stories I'll have to tell you. Do you have time now, Balomer? Why did you bring me back? You you all wanted me gone so badly. (laughs) Well... To tell you the truth, I couldn't really care more or less at the time of whether you were here or there or gone or back. It was interesting. Ryle and Sinalore, more than anything, I had to not happy with you. But we'll handle that. Let me be honest. It was pretty peaceful when you left, and all things considering, was fun for a little bit, but between you and I, brother, things are getting dull around here. So, I thought, I know who I miss, my old brother, Balomir, but I couldn't just whip you back. No, they would have seen that coming. I thought, I know just what to do. (laughs) So I put you in one of those orc babies you like so much. Oh my, this is really funny to me. <laughs> I do favor the orcs. They are uh, a misunderstood bunch. But a good bunch. Bunch of pigs. I get it. Agree to disagree, brother. Can't say anything. I like trees, right? I know that's weird. Just a little more entertaining. Uh, are you, you guys still neglecting Aya? you've always done it. She seemed to be out, uh, of, out of sorts. Um, neglect is a strong word, brother. Uh, misplaced, lost, not found, can't find her. Little bit of a problem. Hmm. She hasn't been here. Um, so you disappeared. Well, and you kind of see it mm. like raise his big hands up and he kind of shakes them left and right, like half, uh, like a... Like so-so, uh, so-so. Yeah, so-so. More or less, you disappeared. Ryle Wait. killed me. Got it. Uh, no, brother. Why? Ryle didn't kill you. It's more like Ryle and Sinlor made you go away. And I stood by. Because they can't yes, take me that's... one-on-one. We all know that. Brother, no one can take you one-on-one. You're the god of war. And love, I suppose. But mostly the god of war. And um, so they made you go away. And, well, sister, not a fan. Let's be honest, not a fan. And that caused a rift and some fighting and 
Then she didn't want to create anything for us. That doesn't work. Am I going to do my own dirty work? No, brother, no. Well, then she sequestered herself somewhere. Somewhere none of us can find. We haven't seen her in about as long as we haven't seen you, to be honest. I think I know where she's at. Oh? But I'm not telling you. Hey, brother, that's not very fair. That's a story you'll get to just make up on your own. Brother, I didn't bring you back to torture me. Torture Ryle and Sinlor. I want to watch and laugh and be amused. Question. Who who brought the fiends back into the world? Who's, whose bright idea was that? Well, funny story, really. Um, Here we go. Just give me the no, short no, answer. No, listen, listen. The short version. You know those little tieflings Andrin got attached to? And and Bellamere immediately still having you know the memories strongly mm-hmm. of, from, from Atlas. Uh, I'm now also fond of them. Oh, oh, okay, that's fine, I suppose. But I, back then, I don't know if you remember, but we all went, oh, those things, Andrew, not a good idea. You should really just listen, look at them, and well, let me tell you. They did it. One of them went stock crazy and made himself one of those dead lich things. Well, Ryle and his creations, whatnot, kind of fucked up the torrents. Mm. Yes, I could have helped Andrew and fix it, but what's the fun in that, brother? Those little tieflings caused quite the stir for quite a while, and, well, turns out, almost broke all the stuff we built. You see, Don't worry, I fixed it. I, I put you in the orc, baby, and then I found you some friends, and together you kind of worked it out. You realize that uh, Ryle still tried to, to prevent He knew. He knew you did it. He's not dumb. Well, agree to disagree. I think he's dumb. He's very aware that I'm involved, but not brave enough to face me himself, which is the important bit. Between you and me, I I don't really want to fight any of them at all. Uh, So, just keep that between us. And and maybe if uh, Ryle or Sinlor come a-knocking, you haven't seen me in a bit. What's in it for me? Well, um... To be honest, a whole lot of nothing, but that's not really the point, is it, brother? A quick question. Te- We're family. Te- tell me, um, which people currently do you find the most disdain with? The most disdain? As in, like, you the ones don't, I don't you like? You don't like them. Oh, dear. That's my tweaking. Those fools, they should have listened. But I'm happy with what I've done to them. I'll pull up, I'll swipe my hand up from my seat and pull up like a globe of like, what is the earth? Um, mm-hmm. I'll wave my hand in front of it on. for uh, Treekin. Like I'll say Treekin and it'll kind of highlight. There's like spots that are highlighted on the earth. I'll kiss my finger and I'll touch it to several places uh, that are on that globe. And then I'll say, great. They've just managed to uh, procreate tenfold. Enjoy more Treekin. Well, brother, that's... Oh, dear. Not... And you kind of see the visage and shaking of leaves as when, like, runs off. Like, this large form, like, rushes into the darkness. And then I want to, as he runs away, the globe is still there. Um, I want to spin it to silence. And I want to zoom in. I keep zooming. And zooming until I'm able to see uh, where Kristoff is. Uh, you go to silence and you don't see that. Um, you don't see Kristoff. You don't see your boy. Um, so you spin the globe and spin and spin and spin. And. Fury! <laughs> you um, zoom in. You, fi- you feel him and you zoom in to Yuri and you see. Um, 
you see the form of Kristoff and he's standing next to Avia and they're reading a letter. And I will kiss my finger once more. And then I will touch it to that spot. And then I will close the zoom and swipe the world away. And our view changes once more. And you see an elven man in these ornate dark blue robes with golden buckles where his cloak would normally like attach to his collarbone and, and chest plate. And he's standing with such regal presence. And, and on his hand, you see this ring made of gold and it is powerful. You can just feel it. You as the as the viewer, the camera, you can just feel the the tension in the air from the power. And across from him stands Kristoff. And you hear this this man say <clears throat> It's <clears throat> it's took me entirely too long to find you, Kristoff. Uh, can I help you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. For I have a vacancy to fill. Do I, wait a second. Is he familiar to me? Uh, you, you vaguely, you've never seen him before, but you have seen this ring when you watched Findle and Frost communicate with all of the other stewards of Goron, and this was pointed out to you by Fendel after the fact as the leader. Uh-huh. Hmm. I'm going to need to fill the ranks. <clears throat> we are meant to be seven, and we are a few short. Well, I'm very glad you asked. And I hop up and I walk over and I kind of put my arm around his shoulder and I start walking with him. I go, I have some ideas for some changes. You stewards have been way too hands off. You guys have been very reactive instead of proactive. And I have some ideas how we can really help people. Uh, uh, what? What? Oh, okay. What are your ideas? And we discuss them long into the night. <laughs> Nope, not what happens. Um, so, in, anyways, well, I guess we'll get to that. Um, but, um, I'm glad I didn't have to convince you. <laughs> this makes me very happy, but I have something I think you might want. And you see him, like, spin his hand a little bit, and he, like, makes this, like, portal in the air in a torrent. He said... He says, I think you'll find some answers are worth seeking. And he reaches in and pulls out a simple brown hat with a feather protruding from it. And he hands it to you and you immediately recognize this as Rowan's hat. Where? And he kind of leans in and he says, first things first. You're going to need an artifact. And our view shifts and changes. And we see in the center of this sprawling wooded island, a large altar standing two stories tall, protruding above the treetops as our view pans, hovering just above the trees, almost as, as viewers, as, our, as onlookers getting hit by trees and limbs and leaves, this large circular stone arc with runes inscribed along the edges, each rune beginning to glow, starting at the base and tracing one rune at a time around the circles, traveling. And we see this small figure at the base of these stairs, and he is just holding his hands up and he has this these this beautiful gold pompadour and he's wearing these gray robes and he is just 
holding his hands up, and you can tell that he's like casting these spells, and he's, he's fixed on this this semicircle runic structure. And as all of the runes light up, lightning, blue bolts of lightning begin to bounce from the top to the bottom slowly at first, and then rapidly and faster until a portal begins to form. And this beautiful ocean-like blue portal forms. And a young elven woman with pink braids steps forward, dressed in leathers, with leather straps and buckles down her chest plate, leather straps and buckles down the right leg. And our camera shifts and slides, almost slides below as we pass the very form that is Graylin up the stairs. And at the base of these runes, we see Ilaria. And she's just smiling with her eyes closed under the sunlight of Boron. And another figure comes behind her through the portal. Our young heroine, not alone. A hooded man, his face hidden from our view. Only his blue and gray beard peeks forth. His build strong, that of a warrior with powerful pauldrons to match on his shoulders. In his left hand, a blue mythical shield that shines in the light and in his right hand a battle staff with a blue crystal fixed atop it, his cape, his blue cape fluttering as he walks. And we hear Ilaria say, I miss the smell more than anything. Welcome to Goron, Grand Magus. credits begin to roll on our campaign. Yes, Grand Magus! We have to start over. We have to start over now. No! <laughs> so which which uh, artifact are we picking, picking this time around? And so we find ourselves back at the Cave of Choices. No. In the Cave oh. of Choices. And this time, we pick the axe, or the hammer. Yeah. And then we do it again, and that's how we pick the book. And now that uh, Ezreal has her eyes back, we look down at her finger, and we see the ring of the grass is greener ring, and she pulls it off, and she's rowing the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time! I was just rowing with a memory problem the whole time. You've unraveled my puzzle. (laughs) You've solved (laughs) my gingerbread puzzle. Um, I have to say thanks for listening. Um, this has been... For me, probably the most, um, the most, like, harrowing effort uh, to, like, create a world and help build this world together with um, now four of my best friends in the entire world. And um, collaborative storytelling is, is not something I've like done prior to this and um, I had a blast and, and uh, I'm having a real hard time saying goodbye to uh, our story but um, I, I don't think I've been as pleased with any piece of work creative piece of work that I've ever done more than Lawful Stupid the doors to Goron um, than anything else. Good name for this art. It is a good one. I like that, yeah. Glad we came up with it. The very best of us. I don't know how to tell way, you this. this is what it's called. I came up with it two weeks ago, uh, and it is it has been in the YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, was playlist. Like, I saw the YouTube playlist, um, and I was like, uh huh. Plus, training ignorance on the podcast, like they always do. Uh, I want to say thank you so much to all those out there that have supported the show. Whether it's with your amazing patronship, whether it's with just spreading the word of the show, whether it's just taking the time to listen, we could not, would not have made it to this point without your unending support. Thank you so much. So on the flip side of that, actually, as someone who started uh, almost exactly a year ago listening to this campaign 
as a fan, thinking, oh, these guys are pretty cool, and then hopping on the Discord and thinking, oh, all these people are pretty cool. And then the whole patron thing happens, and you get to play, and to the point where, like, you know, just little extra outside things where you guys, and you know, interact with all the fans and all of our friends. Everyone's friends through this story. And then finally actually getting to join in and help you guys finish this out. I want to tell you guys thank you from me and from the Discord and from all of your fans. Thank you for making this amazing thing. Very well. Thank you. And Two of the boys are going to cry. You decide which ones. <laughs> <laughs> I cry, I cry, I cry. I, 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 uh, I, I want to say I'm just so uh, glad to be a part of this. I am not the super creative boy of, of all these things, but it's really helped me to come out of my shell. And these guys have been really um, supportive and and helping me to to make the best story. I, I mean, I've been I've listened to the podcast that are D and D, and I just didn't want to be a cookie cutter story. And Dwayne, of course, has not made a cookie cutter story. He's made his own world that he's thrust us thrust us into. Um, that we've been able to make our own along the way. And so I'm thankful to these boys. Uh, of course, the fans. I talk about you guys all the time. Uh, even today, this Army course, I was talking about how, how diverse and um, welcoming we are as a group and how appreciative I am for that. And so it's been a great journey. And we really appreciate, again, as Shane said, you uh, taking the time to listen to us once a week. I think uh, the biggest thank you that I have to give is to Dwayne. You have built something truly special, and it is not something that any one of us is going to forget anytime soon. So please, I encourage anyone listening to this to join me in thanking Dwayne, uh, no matter where you are, what you're doing, uh, reach out to Dwayne and tell him, tell him thank you, because we really, we all want Uh, I will follow that up with, um... <laughs> now more than ever if you, if you haven't joined our discord um we would love to have you uh we have a role for humanity Devin. the role for humanity in the month of august is going to be for the adoption exchange this is a um the charity organization really but uh, we're donating to them they help to connect children who are in the foster system with um, with couples who are wanting to foster and to, to get them out of there faster for a, a temporary period of time until these children are able to get to their a more permanent position um, so it's really helpful there even there are some you can get on there and see the children who are waiting um, a chance to get moved into these homes to, to be out of the system uh, and hopefully to some families who can love them uh, in the transition to making it to a permanent home. And so the role for Adoption Exchange is going to result in a drum roll, please. Hashtag stall tactic. It's a four. It's a $4. You're a fucking god. Take advantage. You're right. Yeah, take advantage. <laughs> That's a three. That's a three. Again? That's a no way. That's a one. That's a ten. We'll take the <laughs> ten. Take the ten. Different die, dude. Jesus. Save those for last. It's a dice rolling app that he can't afford the dollar. Yeah, no. Go ahead. Ten dollars. Sure. The adopting exchange. Thank you for doing that, Devin. Um, the next episode of Lawful Stupid will be uh, the week after this. Do I have a date on that? Anybody? Somebody? Anybody? No, sorry. The, the week after you <laughs> listen to this, there will be another episode um, where we're going, I think, right? Yes, we're going to talk about, we're going to answer any questions you have about the show. We'll do a Q&A and we'll talk a little bit on yep. uh, what's to come. Yeah, so that being said, um, uh, we're going to pre-record the Q&A in no holds bar is is what we will how be we will be announcing it um so that you're gonna see it you've you've already seen it at this point we've already been announcing the qa for the end of campaign one and um you will uh you can ask whatever you want i will tell you anything you want about the stories the the characters um influences ideas behind it and I know the boys will open up their minds about their characters and their stories. And I'm happy to answer things like how we got through things because like it's a lot of it, like a lot of it is improv. 
Um, but some of it is like we, we work towards rough goals together. Um, like, I, like, I have to say this and, and not to make this super long winded. Um, Devin and I worked together to have a rough goal of where we wanted Atlas. In the previous episode, he kind of goes on this monologue that to me, 100% off the cuff. I had not heard any of that when he kind of talks as Bellamare to Kristoff. That is, that was all from my perspective, like improv. Now, what he did for planning, like that's good question. Good question. Yeah. Yeesh. Still crew. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have to say that we love you. Goodbye. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Yeah, you are great. <laughs> it makes me happy. <laughs>